D. Smith, welcome in. It is the latest edition of the Unnamed Soccer Podcast. The Unnamed Soccer Podcast brought to you by Three Punk Ales in Chula Vista. It is uh, 2020, Darren. Happy New Year's to you. Happy New Year's, Jordan. Did you make any resolutions? Tell us all about what you are looking forward to in 2020 here as it relates to soccer or otherwise. You're going to be a dad in 2020, which is super exciting that for you. That probably tops the list. Probably tops the list. Probably a little bit different heading into this year than every other year that you've been on this planet. Yeah. But since, uh, I guess, nominally I, this is a soccer podcast, should we just stick to soccer stuff or yeah, what? Yeah, I mean, this isn't a dad podcast. That's that's a different podcast. That's a different podcast. But, yeah, Jordan's dad podcast. Be no. on the lookout for that. You can probably find it at iTunes, Stitcher, iHeart, wherever you find your podcasts. <laughs> um, from the soccer angle, 2020 is shaping up to be very exciting. You have a USL club starting in San Diego in 2020. That's what it's all about. Three I mean, months. If, that's like three months. It's like the, you know, we're in a free fall now to March 7th. Yeah. Yeah, we have players. We uh, almost have a schedule, kind of. Not really, but that's coming soon. But 2020 is going to be a big year. As it stands right now, Chelsea will be a Champions League team for the next season. That's good news from a soccer angle, from from my perspective. But yeah, 2020, very exciting, not just for uh, the local reasons, but there's a lot of exciting stuff happening in the world of soccer. So what what are you uh, what are you thinking of when you think of 2020? What's on your mind in the new year? Well, I, I'm I'm pretty anxious um, about SD Loyal, you know, mm-hmm. and and I keep like bothering the guys who work there, and I'm like, hey man, let me know what's going on. We got a schedule, we got more players. Like like let me know, let me know, let me know. It's like oh man, January is going to be a huge month. We're going to have our our kit come out. We're going to have new players. We're going to have all sorts of scheduling. What's We're that? Gonna the kit t- comes out this month. I, I don't know that for sure, but it just we're going to have more broadcast information in addition to our telecasts and where we're going to be, where people can watch us. So, And then this morning, as I was getting set to come on in here now, on the second day of January, since we're recording on a Thursday morning, I saw something that was tweeted out because I follow uh, USL Championship on Twitter. And they were tweeting out like some great futuristic look, rendering of what's going on with Louisville. I was like, oh, man, thinking about what, what might be with regards to a permanent soccer-specific stadium somewhere down the road for SD Loyal. So, I don't know. I'm starting to get a little ahead of myself. I know that they're doing a, a, a million different things, but I've just been told, like, January, stay tuned. January is going to be a big month of announcements, yeah, which, feel- like, makes sense because we're running out of time. Like, you know, Listen, three months away. It, it would be more newsworthy if we were told January is not going to be a big right. month of announcements. I mean, if it's not coming this month, it has to come next month. And then March is here, and the season has begun, and we're collecting three points against shit clubs like Orange County. And I can't wait for those moments. But 2020 going to be exciting. I feel like this podcast today, Darren, we can go uh, a lot of different directions. And I think we are going to go a lot of different directions because there are conversations that I want to have about Liga MX. We had the final and what an amazing story coming out of the Liga MX final. Want to get into that a little bit. Um, Jose Mourinho has managed Tottenham Hotspur for 11 total matches now. Yeah, what 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 stage as somebody with expertise, as somebody with experience in this category? I feel like you should you should you should Tell all the Spurs fans, like, what stage of Mourinho are you in now? Well, usually the stage... Because at first it's like, oh, it's maybe this will work. Well, usually the stage that I feel like Tottenham is in doesn't come until much later in the progression of Jose Mourinho. So that could be a little scary. I do okay. want to talk about like, that I, I, Like, Are we at the, like, he resents the club he works for yet? Like, are we at that <laughs> stage yet? Because it feels like we're close. No, that's usually year two. Where he's going to just Not say... match 11. Listen, I've got... <laughs> I've got more silverware hardware than you guys do. Like, what are you worried about here? Like, yeah, I feel I've, like we're we're not there yet. I mean, He's, we've had that line. Like, I haven't lost a Champions League final. 
<laughs> Unlike some club that I manage. Right, because that's definitely a stage of Mourinho. Yeah, I actually have some uh, some big picture thoughts for Tottenham and kind of who the, the top four, the consensus going forward, who the clubs in England are going to be that will collect that Champions League money year in and year out going forward. Because, Darren, as you and I know, qualifying for Champions League is a huge deal, not just to be in the tournament and you have an opportunity to put your club on the biggest stage there is in the biggest tournament, but the money that comes with qualifying for Champions League not only pays for players, it helps pay for stadiums. It's a really big deal for a lot of clubs who are kind of just on that bubble. Maybe a Champions League team, maybe not a Champions League team. And um, want to talk about that cycle a little bit. And then we have some news with the U.S. men's national team because on New Year's Day uh, for Newcastle, DeAndre Yedlin broke his hand. <laughs> Another injury for DeAndre Yedlin, unfortunately, but he broke his hand and Newcastle, I don't have a lot on Newcastle. I know they're a mess right now. Yeah. They're dealing with like 10 injuries right now. I'm not even sure they're going to be able to throw out 11 players this weekend in the FA Cup. But uh, DeAndre Yedlin broke his hand. And the quote um, from the manager, Steve Bruce, after uh, said, yeah, broken hand. It looks like it's a mess. Great. I don't know if he was talking about his club or the hand itself, but it sounds like both are a mess right now. Uh, the U.S. men's national team, Darren, they're coming to, the, to Southern California. They're going to be playing in Carson. Uh, against Costa Rica February 1st. So we actually have some U.S. men's national team matches. Whether anyone realizes it or not, they're going to play here pretty soon in Southern California, February 1st in Carson, and then in March they'll go to the Netherlands. So that's the latest with the U.S., but I, I saw that New Year's Day, and I'm sure a lot of people are going to miss it. But DeAndre Yedlin, um, a month out, I mean, I know we're not qualifying for anything in the, in the next game against Costa Rica or the game against... Uh, the Netherlands, but still notable that DeAndre Yedlin breaks his hand. By the way, um, anything, because a year ago, you and I were pretty excited. We had the opportunity to go down to Chula Vista, California and watch the U.S. men's national team train with Greg Berhalter. Anything for you on them taking training this year to Qatar? I, uh, I mean, from January 5th to the 25th that they're going to be there in Doha, Qatar? Like, I just... I can ask why, but I, I guess I know what the obvious answer would be to be thrown back in my face. It's to get ready for the World Cup, but... Is it? But I mean, why? I don't know. Like, why are you there? I, that, I don't I don't have any, like, strong, like, passionate take about this. Like, how could they, just because it doesn't allow me to go watch training like like we did last year. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, but with down, that like, said, Darren, how could they? They were right down the street a year ago, <laughs> and we were able to go down and talk to Burhalter and hang out with Paul Ariola and catch up with a couple of the players down there and do stuff on our Instagram and do stuff for social, and then they bail on us. Yeah, I guess it doesn't really matter, but, like, I just, I don't know, I just thought it was... I guess I just think it's a bit weird. <laughs> I, mean, I know you usually want to go on one of these runs where you go through and you do things and you just want to get used to the landscape or what have you. But And it is in the wintertime, so it's January, whereas the World Cup will be played in, what, November, December in a couple of years. And World Cup qualifying coming up at the end of this year, at the end of the calendar year, so that'll be fun. But, I don't know, it's just like... What are you doing, man? Like, I I mean, you got you got that much money? You're just gonna go train and cutter for a month, like, especially with your match coming up in Southern California. It seemed like it would have been an easy choice for them to be right back here in yeah, Chula Vista. Yeah, I, mean, I, I guess getting a feel for the place. You know, I mean, I guess I, I I guess it's important for Greg Berhalter, Jordan, to learn the lay of the land and cutter for when he's taking the U.S. Men's National Team to the World Cup. Yeah, imagine flying the team out there to prepare for a tournament you may not be playing in. <laughs> Come on, I just imagine it. I'm not saying it's gonna happen, but that could. It, it wouldn't be the first time it's How happened. How about Greg Berhalter? He's like, told you I'd get to cut her. <laughs> I mean, you're going to get there. 
Like, is there any precedent for this? Like, I'm trying to think back. Did they did they try this? Did they do this in Brazil? Did they do this in Russia? Like, I, I'm trying to think. Like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm missing it. Maybe somewhere before my time, as somebody who was really invested in U.S. soccer, maybe maybe they tried this before, but I don't remember them doing it. Yeah, it it. I don't know. Like like you, I don't have a strong opinion about it. I wish they were in Chula Vista here in Southern California. Like I said, especially with the SoCal match coming up, but. I, I think they have bigger fish to fry with that team. Like than, most uh, things with U.S. soccer, it's just like training. whatever. Yeah, you know. I mean, we're really whatever. Like, is gotten, anyone going to notice anyway? Exactly. We've gotten to the point. Like outside of this podcast, whoever is going to talk about this? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like no, this doesn't make a blip on any radar screen anywhere. Do you think that's what the meeting was? They like sat back. They're like, guys, we're thinking about going to Qatar, but there's probably going to be some some pushback a little bit that we're not going to be in the U.S. Who's going to push back? Yeah. Who's well, going to push back? Whatever. Oh, God, the Unnamed Soccer Podcast might. <laughs> but I think we're going to go ahead and stomach that, and we're just going to keep going. Yeah, I, I wish they were here. I wish they were here. Darren, um, great story in Mexico, because I'm done with the U.S. I don't have anything else. DeAndre Yedlin broke his hand. Whatever. The team is training in a, in a place for a tournament that they may not be in, and Burhalter's still our manager. We'll have to text Ariola and just say, like, can you bring us back something from Cutter? <laughs> like, oh, that's a good call. Just bring us back a souvenir. Yeah. Or maybe, like, describe the team in one emoji. All right. Yeah. I don't know if I actually want him to answer that right now. Let's give him some more time on that. Do you want to talk about Mexico? Because I am done with the U.S. men's national team. It doesn't get much better from that, from there, guys. Um, the story in Mexico, or do you want me to talk about how Tottenham is in real danger of missing Champions League for the foreseeable no, future? Spend a couple of minutes talking about the final because okay. I thought the final was just spectacular between Monterrey and Club America, and it happened. You know, again, this is where where my life, where my professional life and my personal life intersect because Sunday night there is this massive NFL football game. And everybody seems to be, you know, professionally speaking, focused in on the San Francisco 49ers and the Seattle Seahawks. But over on a different channel, you're able to watch Monterrey and Club America and a couple of former Cholos managers, a mm-hmm. couple of uh, a former Club America manager in uh, Antonio Mohamed El Turco, who we got to know in Tijuana just a little bit, who's been a winner almost everywhere he's gone, certainly in Mexico. Uh, I just thought it was great theater. I thought it was great energy, you know, for and I and I I almost became that like please like my sport guy on Twitter <laughs> because you know, I saw that that a lot of people were tweeting about the Niners and Seattle and not for for no good reason. Like that was a really really good game with a great atmosphere. But the atmosphere that was at Estadio Azteca was every bit as good and and you know, I would argue that it was better. I would argue that it was just better, especially when America goes up and goes up early, and there's this late scramble late for Monterrey, and they're able to come back and end up uh, sending it to extra time and penalty kicks. I mean, it was it was tremendous theater, given who the managers were, given the significance of both clubs, given the energy at Estadio Azteca, and I'm sure, Jordan, as you'll bring up the story with El Turco. Well, that's what uh, I think makes it so special, because if you do compare the two, if you want to compare it to the NFL game going on at the same time, uh, the clear game that had the better story and was very compelling, too. It was also a great match that went Terrific. all the way to penalties. Fantastic. Like The fact that they were able to do that at the Azteca is not something that happens very often for a club to go in there. I don't think Monterrey were, were very confident going in. I don't know if I would be extremely confident, although they had a one-goal lead going into the second leg. The fact that you're going to Azteca is a huge deal. It is a massive deal. So I don't know how where the confidence was for Monterrey to go in. But the story is what separates it. It's a great match. Monterey pulled the upset, in my opinion. It's an upset at the Azteca in penalties. But the story that comes with Mohamed and the story 
of him managing the club and what happened with his son. And it's a story that Darren sent in our group chat and he found it. Um, but it's it, it's the story that separates it, right? It wasn't yeah. the match itself. It, it isn't what happened on the field. It's it, it's the emotional breakdown from the manager afterwards, realizing he he accomplished something he promised his late son he would accomplish with winning Monterey another title. And I mean, the backstory on the son, for those who don't know, his son dies in a car accident in the 2014 World Cup. He makes a promise that he's going to win Monterey uh, another Liga MX title. And he wasn't even the manager. Like he, he had left. He went to manage in La Liga. He came back. It wasn't exactly he came back to Mexico and was just right back in and was getting the job that he wanted and was right away having success. Like he had to earn his way back into a league that he already had a lot of success in. And then just the emotional breakdown that you see on the field. And then the story separates what actually was happening for the two clubs, it becomes something much bigger and something much more emotional. It was yeah, just I'll admit, I didn't, I didn't know too much about the backstory, but they had, had the no camera idea. on El Turco right at the end of the, of the PKs. And you can just see how emotional he was. And I'm thinking, well, okay. I mean, we got to see a little bit of that in Tijuana. And we fo- I've followed his career, whether it's been in Mexico or whether he went back to Argentina, whether he went to Spain or what have you. And he's always been a guy that I've, I've rooted for. And to see at the end, you just say, okay, well, that's the emotion. Like, this was emotional, right? Like, like took a lead into the Azteca, gave it up, fought back. Funes Moore is such a good player. And then they go to penalties, and now the emotion just pours out. Maybe it's because it's his former club. Maybe it's just because it's a grand finale, right? And then to to know that he had made this promise to his son, to his late son, it just adds another layer. Where like, how could you not feel good for that guy, given what it was that he accomplished and what he's been through? So yeah, I mean, if you missed the story, I mean, I'm sure you can find it about why El Turco was so emotional at the end of that. You should be at the end of a, a championship, mm-hmm. but then you add in that extra layer. It's like. Pfft. Wow. Like, <laughs> like even even if you're the biggest Club America fan, you probably at some point had to feel pretty good for your former manager that, you know, that now well, maybe that's going a little far. But as a human being, maybe you can feel good for him in that situation. Yeah, it's pretty often in, in this sport, especially that the sport is much more than the game itself. Like it, it separates itself from what's happening on the field. And it, it happens at times in all sports. But it seems like it happens more often than not in soccer. And this was just another example of soccer and the and the, just the field being used as kind of your canvas for something much bigger. And it was a fantastic moment. I always wanted that dude to come back here. Yes. You know, like I always thought maybe there was a way because you know, it's not like he wouldn't go and, and do stuff. And, and it's not like he wouldn't show a willingness to go back to a previous employer. But he also was a guy, Jordan, that was pretty popular on both sides of the border. You know, there are a lot of people who would see uh, Antonio Muhammad uh, all across San Diego. You know, I mean, he there's a golf tournament at Torrey Pines every year, a famous golf course. He would be seen there. So, like, he was he was pretty active, Padre games. Mm. So he did a lot of stuff. I always sort of held out hope that somehow, some way, there would be some sort of uh, some way to reunite with him. But that's probably just wishful thinking. So yeah. I was pretty happy about that. And on the flip side, I would have been I would have been happy for Piojo too. It's nice when you 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 are impartial. And I will say, like, maybe one resolution, I'm not a big New Year's resolution kind of guy, maybe one for 2020 is get my ass on an airplane and go to Monterey. And either, you know, go watch Tigres or go watch Rayados, like, just go to Monterey, because it looks like it's just a, or to the Azteca. It's easy to fly out of Tijuana, dirt cheap flights, 
But just to go and and either go to El Volcan or go watch Rayados or go to Azteca for the first time ever, like mm-hmm. just get on an airplane and go somewhere else in Mexico and catch a match. Yeah, it was nice just enjoying a match like that being impartial. Because yeah. if you are pulling for one side, then it changes your perspective on it. Right. You, you get to appreciate what how great the match was and then the story itself. So. Especially you know, when we get Piojo back in a penalty kick situation, right? Because yeah. that's where the most famous memes came from. Right. Then his hair caught him. fire. <laughs> right. His hair actually caught fire live on television. Oh, was I was fantastic. just hoping that the heavens would open and it would just start pouring rain <laughs> on everybody that was there at the Azteca. And for those who don't know, Turco, he's the one that led Club Tijuana to their only title. Yeah. They got promoted and then the next year they won the title with Mohammed. So there's a lot of history there. It's not that he was just a former manager with Club Tijuana. Like he has the most success that anyone has had with Club Tijuana. Plus so. he's a fashionista. He's God. always the the best dressed manager no matter what match he's in. He's a sh- yeah, very sharp. Sharp dressed, sharp looking man. Um so we were impartial for that. We were impartial yesterday morning, Darren, when we went to Bluefoot in North Park. That's right. We were impartial as a Barca fan, a Chelsea fan. We got a Go belly up while well, we were standing the whole time. But we got a couple beers, and uh, we watched Arsenal take on Manchester United in the heart of North Park, which I will say was absolutely hungover New Year's Day. Although Bluefoot was packed. Bluefoot I was, so was popping. That, that New Year's Eve, the day after, you think people are going to be dragging ass? A lot of people are. I was dragging ass. I didn't make it there till halftime. But I was so impressed that so many Arsenal fans and a sprinkling of Manchester United fans showed up. That was a really, really good scene. I was pretty stoked to see so many people there at Bluefoot. Yeah, great uh, great atmosphere because you had the Manchester City game before. That was at 9.30. So you still had the carryover because Bluefoot also a Manchester City bar in town. So you still had Man City fans there. You had the Arsenal fans who always packed the house at Bluefoot. Plus, it was a 12 o'clock kickoff. And, like, Darren, you're used to the 12 o'clock kickoffs yeah. rooting for a team in Spain. We don't get that very often in England. The only time we get that is Champions League. And that is during the week. So the fact that there's a 12 o'clock, I, I don't know what it would take to get England to sign up for that TV schedule for us. But I thought they did. I thought they, they started saying that they were going to be playing one late match per week or something. Starting when? Now? Because wow, I'll take a, it. There's a 12 o'clock one today, Liverpool and Sheffield United. Yeah, I, I'm wondering if it's just because it's the whole holiday season. I don't know. I, I thought I read that, that they were changing the schedule in England, that, you know, that they were going to at least have one late match. I hope you're every, right. Every weekend, every every Saturday and perhaps Sunday. I am on board with that. But it was very nice having a 12 o'clock game. So we show up to Bluefoot, impartial, um, great match. There was a Leicester fan there. There were City fans there, obviously Arsenal fans, City fans, United fans as well, and then uh, a couple Chelsea fans and a Barca fan in the house. But great atmosphere and a completely different looking Arsenal side than the Arsenal side we've seen for a long time. I'll tell you this also, because uh, we've had a pretty good relationship with SD Gooners over the years. Yeah, we go way back with the Gooners. They've been very fun and cordial to us. You know, they welcome in a Chelsea supporter like Jordan, and our boy, our mate Nate showed up just spouting off all of his Liverpool propaganda. And hey, listen... He can do it right now. Ten point lead, and they've only played nineteen matches. Everybody else has played two more, so he can say whatever he wants to say. The city fans were there, but I, I will say, like there was, there was such joy at the end of it when Arsenal wins two nil against United, and like we were sort of joking, like, oh, would you guys win the cup? Like, you know, like we're sort of joking. But it goes to show you a couple of things. Number one, this has been a really, really rotten stretch for Arsenal yeah. because, what, one win in their last 12, I believe, was the mm-hmm. number that was tossed around. And number two, it's still a really big deal to beat Manchester United. And in a way, that's a compliment to, to United, that even though this iteration of Manchester United is not Sir Alex Ferguson's Manchester United, it still is a big deal to beat them. Like, it still is a really, really big deal for those 13 Premier League times. Like, it's... 
yes, it doesn't matter that, that we're in a downswing for United. Still fifth on the table, so not like all hope is lost. They're not going to get relegated. But beating United is still a big deal for all the clubs around England. Yeah, I think the biggest deal for Arsenal right now, and it is impactful to to beat United at home, you get the confidence from it. The biggest thing for Arsenal is they just look different. Like, they're playing differently. And it, to me, it I'm left asking, what the hell was Emery doing? And I, I remember asking that question several times. I'm like, was it really just the manager? Because we've seen other London clubs recently, they were forced in... Tottenham is who I'm talking about. They were forced into a question where like, well, we think we have a roster issue, but we also may have a manager issue. And it's a lot easier just to change the manager than to change and mm. flip an entire roster. And Tottenham was kind of forced into one direction. They had to take like the easier way to do it instead of unplugging and untangling that web of players that may or may not be in their future going forward. But for Arsenal, it's different. For Arsenal, it feels different early on. And maybe I'm just getting caught up in the fact that I went down to Bluefoot and was surrounded by a bunch of Gooners, and they won 2-0. That could very much be the case. But for me, it feels like Arsenal make a change at manager. They don't need to make too many changes with their players. It's a really young team. In fact, Darren, it's the youngest team in the Prem. Many people would guess it would be Chelsea. It's not. It's Arsenal. I think Arsenal might be a club where you kind of just change the manager, and they... There's light at the end of their tum- tunnel, in my opinion. And I don't know how much light there is with Tottenham and the way they're headed right now. But for Arsenal, it feels like maybe those are two London clubs that might be passing each other in the next coming months. Yeah, I'm not there yet. I mean, again, it's just the first win for Arteta. But, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, and United played, and we were with our boy Alex Padilla, who's a United fan. He said that was the worst half that they'd played all season. Now Pogba's out. He's going to have surgery. So... I'm not willing to go there yet. I think I agree with you. I think there is a lot of talent, and that's sort of why in our preseason I say I think Arsenal can be a top four club. But uh, you know, now we got to get through January and all the crazy rumors about who's going to come and who's going to go, et cetera. Are they going to keep Obama Yang? Are they not? What are they going to do there? So you know, I, I don't know that I'm 100 percent willing to say like, okay, you change managers, everything's fixed now. Arsenal, yes, you're on the rise. But you know, again, I think it's a combination. And you had to like what you see because it, it was done differently, you know, even yeah. like getting, uh, who was it, Pepe, Pepe, is that his name? Yeah. Uh, you know, digging him up and, and finding some usefulness out of him was probably a pretty big deal. So I'm with you on that front. Yeah, I mean, it's easy to get caught up in just after 90 minutes. And they were, I mean, Arsenal fans were getting caught up after the first 45 minutes against Chelsea. And they yeah. ended up losing that match. Like, that was the first win with him, em- um, not with Emery, but with Arteta. So... It feels like some things are changing with Arsenal, and maybe I'm just overplaying it a little bit after just a handful of minutes. Yeah, I mean, and of course, you're, you're in your uh, in your env- in that environment. It's easy to get wrapped up but, again, and like we but gotta I watched them against Chelsea. Like I, I watched them play differently. It feels like there is something a little bit different. They're not going to finish in the top four this year, and they probably won't even finish in a Europa spot this year because what they're like an eleventh, twelfth. They were thirteenth before the win. I don't know what they are right now, but I'm not saying Arsenal's a Champions League side this year. I'm just saying next year, that is a team. For the first time in a couple of years, you're going to say, wow, they, they might be able to contend. Arsenal is 10th. Uh, 10th. 10th. Uh, big one this weekend at Selhurst Park because mm. uh, Palace is 9th and Arsenal's 10th. The two sides square off. Saturday at Selhurst Park, 4.30 a.m. Jordan, I'm sure you'll set your DVR. I will. I will. There's optimism, I think, for Arsenal fans. I don't know what kind of optimism there is for Tottenham fans. And now maybe I'm just overplaying the first 10, 11 matches. But if you look at it, like what what is – I asked a couple of my Tottenham friends this morning in a group chat. What is the highlight so far? Only 11 matches again. What is the highlight so far for Jose being the Tottenham manager? You're asking me? I – I asked. It's friends. probably his press conference. I, I mean, it's it's probably. I mean, I couldn't. 
would it be uh, the, the changes that he made in Champions League? What did they find themselves down? 2-0 to Olympiacos, was it? And figured out a way to win that match? You know, I, I mean, I, I would say some of the early on success, both in league and in Champions League for them. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think the moments, though, have mostly been away from the field, right? For the most part, like the ball boy was a really big story for Jose. Right. He takes a shot at the Southampton manager after losing. Like and that's the story. Afterwards. I was I was rude to an idiot. Yeah, and what a great quote! Like I love that quote. Yeah. I thought it was absolutely amazing and absolutely Jose Mourinho. But this doesn't. It, it, it seems like it's the same Jose in the press, but it doesn't seem like it's the same Jose the manager because Tottenham are allowing a ridiculous amount of goals. They only allow one against Southampton in the loss, but. Since Jose took over, Darren, this this will probably surprise you. They've allowed more goals in the Prem than any other club. Yeah. And what's Jose known for? I mean, Tottenham fans used to sing at me all the time about parking the bus and not allowing any goals and boring, boring Chelsea. I don't know if this is the same manager. And I don't know if he's kind of changing what he wants to do. Maybe he has to change his approach because the players are a little bit different. He's at a different club. Maybe he's changing because it didn't work out at Manchester United. And it hasn't worked out the last time he was at Chelsea. It ended poorly there. And then it ended poorly with United. Maybe he's trying to change some things. I don't know. It, just, it seems like there's so many question marks with Tottenham. And it, they were really hoping when they made the change that it would be an instant spark. Right? Like Jose would come in and just create this spark. They would go on a run. It looked like it could happen. They were up 3 nothing by like the 49th minute in their first match with Jose against West Ham. But since then, they've allowed so many goals. They have a they have a five nil win against Burnley, but that's that's about it. So I, I can find optimism for Arsenal, but I'm struggling to find optimism for Tottenham. And it's probably me just being a Chelsea fan. Probably, probably, probably a little bit of that. But I would love, like, I, I, but that's why I, I said, like, I'm where, genuinely where, asking. I want to know where the optimism is right now because Jose isn't a guy that it's expected to be there that long. Right. So well, what, getting like, him out of group, I think, you know, again, uh, you know, figuring out a way to come from behind against Olympiacos, even though you end up losing to Bayern Munich. You know, I, I think those are the moments. But now we're we're starting to get into the stage where you can see Jose. He's starting to pick a little bit at some of the roster. He's like, oh, this guy's always hurt. I don't know that we can rely on him. And now Kane's gonna get. So, you know, I, I, I think it's you always have to keep in mind, like, where are you with on the Mourinho scale? Right. Because, like, is the honeymoon over for him? Probably. His honeymoons last way shorter than other honeymoons. Yeah, but they so, usually last a little bit longer than this. Well, listen, um, <laughs> you know, there's been 11 games. Yeah, He's now got to get through the January window himself. I mean, does he start you know, looking for different players? Who are more uh, tailor made for his style of play? Yeah. So yeah, maybe he has to make those changes because we saw that with uh, United yesterday. You still yeah. see like guys like Mata and Matic right. running Just around for United. There. Like oh, those yeah. are Jose guys. Yeah. Ole would not have signed those guys. So and I also left Bluefoot yesterday thinking, why haven't United signed Poch yet? What is taking so long to go get Poch? If I were United, that would be it. I would imagine that'd be a done deal by now, but for whatever reason, it's not. Maybe he doesn't want to be in England. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe he's going to wait for Espanyol to get relegated and then go join Barcelona. And it's just surprising to me because I know a lot about Jose. Like, Jose managed my club yeah. two different times, won us a lot of trophies. I know a lot about this guy. It's just this doesn't tend to happen so soon, which is a little... I'd be a little worried about that. And their games against the biggest club so far, they took on Manchester United. They lost. They took on Chelsea. They lost. Uh, Bayern Munich, you lose in Champions League. I don't know how but much you you're... watch. You watch the effort this weekend in the FA Cup, right? But I mean, that's that's that's, that's where Jose's got to like zoom in right now and target what his measure and definition of success will be. Will be going after that kind of silverware. Well, FA Cup is the trophy that he won with Chelsea a lot. 
Like that is a trophy he went that's out a, and grabbed all. It's a good time. trophy. It is a good trophy. I would say this, and I asked the Tottenham uh, friend this question this morning, and he disagreed with me. And I would love to hear what other Spurs fans think. I would, if I were a Tottenham fan, which clearly, clearly I'm not, I would prefer to finish in the top four this year than win the FA Cup. Getting the money from Champions League, being in that tournament next year, to me, would be more important than getting the FA Cup trophy. Now, maybe it's different because Tottenham desperately want a trophy because they haven't had one in a long time and they're sick of people reminding them. So maybe that's more important. But winning the FA Cup doesn't get you 50 plus million dollars for your roster the next year. Winning right. the FA Cup doesn't get you into Champions League next year. And I'm pretty sure they still need some money to help pay for that stadium in some capacity. So if I, I would be more interested in finishing top four than winning the FA Cup. But again, it's a Chelsea fan saying it. I don't know what's going to happen with Jose. They beat Burnley 5-0. They look great against Burnley, but against the big club so far, they have yet to get even get a draw. It's been an interesting start. This isn't the normal a, start for it's Jose. A, it's a good question. It really is a good question. I mean, I still think you play because you want to win stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I understand your point about the money and the finances, and, and you know, especially since Spurs are, are on this unprecedented run of Champions League appearances, so you wouldn't want to give that up. I get it. And you were in the final a year ago, but... It's close. It's closer to me than it, I think it is for you. I, I think you're probably right, but you know, I think playing and winning and and you know, adding silverware into your trophy case is a pretty big deal too. It you is. know, even even you know, even though that that you know, we know that the manager <laughs> that that becomes a little bit more about the manager. But again, like, why did you bring him in? You didn't bring him in because you were satisfied with the current run that you were on of just qualifying for the top fours because you weren't winning anything. Mm-hmm. So you know, I, I think bringing him in there. You know, should at least result in winning something, even if it's something that, you know, uh, uh, Chelsea fans going to be like, whatever. Right. And again, I mean, this is just the conversation after 10 matches. Yeah. The real, our, I mean, my real opinion will be cemented in May when the season's over. It's like the same conversation yeah. we had with Pulisic week in and week out. Like, we can't make a strong opinion or definition of what Pulisic is no, week that's by good question. week by I mean, week. Again, and like, I, you know, I, I mean, I think, you know, the finances being what they are, I, I, I still... I mean, I think winning is really important. You know, winning something is really, really important. That's why you brought him in. But if you, it's just when you look at it a big picture, and I'm clearly getting ahead of myself. Tottenham's going to finish ahead of Arsenal. Oh, I know, but you asked like a great question. Like, what would you rather do? Finish top four, win the FA Cup? And like, I think that's a really. I don't think it's going to be as easy finishing in the top four going forward. Liverpool aren't going anywhere. Liverpool, forget it. They're locked in. They're locked into the top four. And Vardy is is you know 17 goals now. It's ridiculous. What he's doing there. And I mean, City's not going to go away. Chelsea, now it's easy for a Chelsea fan to say this, but this is a really young Chelsea team. I would not be surprised if this team this year is the worst team that Chelsea fields in the next five. You know, like they should progressively get better. That's the goal. It could change clearly. But you would think that Chelsea are only on the rise. Liverpool aren't going anywhere. City aren't going anywhere. If United go out and hire Poch guys, like they're going to be in the top four every single year again. And I think it's a little bit of a luxury that other supporters, other clubs, supporters are having right now, knowing that United's not an automatic top four spot once they're back in. And let's say Arsenal does click. Let's say Arsenal is a team that's actually contending in the top four. That becomes a really crowded top six. And it's not exactly easy to finish in the top four. And I don't know. I've, I've seen Chelsea fall out of the Champions League cycle before. It's not a cycle you want to fall out of because it's not a cycle that's easy to get back into. Yeah, so but that would but be if my biggest comes, concern. Right, but but again, the question was this or that. Mm-hmm. But you know, so what you're saying is you do fall out of it, but you also end up with you a trophy the, where you'd say that that was a good year. Yeah, you know, that's that's a new feeling. Like we hadn't done that in a while. Yeah, 
I want. I, I bet Tottenham fans are somewhat split on it. Yeah, I mean, I I think you play to win. I think you play to win stuff. But I certainly understand your point because those are the modern economics of football. Yeah, and they, I mean the stadium. Obviously, yeah. there's I mean, there's yep. money involved there, so they need to pay for the that stadium somehow. So I don't know. That's what I have on. Uh, I guess it's not that surprising. I think Chelsea have a bright future in Tottenham Dome. Is anyone shocked by this? <laughs> I'm sorry, Tottenham fans. Just bear with me, would you? Yeah. I, I tried. Like I'm, I'm trying to be honest. Like I just, it seems like Arsenal might have some, uh, might have some light there, but maybe it's just 90 minutes no, I mean, against a the, bad the, United team. And this is the story of of the Premier League. Is you know because it's so boring at the top. It <laughs> yeah, really I mean, is. I mean, it really luck. is very boring. And and you know, give Liverpool a ton of credit. They're the best club in the world right now. Mm-hmm. You know, they won the Club World Cup. They won um, Champions League, obviously, last year. They finished on that incredible run where, you know, City had to outdo them point for point mm-hmm. every single minute with company scoring that ridiculous goal down the stretch that won in the league. And, you know, they've they've been they've not been perfect, but they haven't lost yet. They didn't lose at all in 2019 in the 2019-2020 season. So it's like, you know, I mean, these are, these are the things that matter in the Premier League this year. Yeah, that's a top four spot that's taken away for a foreseeable future for other clubs. So yeah. really, you're just fighting for three spots at that point. Pretty and much. City's still and around. And City's going to f- at least do enough to, to remain up there. You would think Chelsea's getting better. You would think Arsenal's getting better. So yeah. I, I just think there's, I'm not saying Tottenham won't get better. Maybe they maybe they do get better and they are a top four team every single year. It just, it seems like there's added pressure to it. It won't be as easy going forward as maybe it has been in the last couple of years. Like Leicester won the Prem a couple of years ago. That's crazy. That is insane. That's not going to happen very often. So usually those top four spots are they're already taken care of before the season even starts. That's how it used to be for a long time. So all right. Uh Spain this weekend, 12 noon. We'll see ya. It is Espanol taking on Barca. That is uh the Catalonia Ooh. Derby. So uh, where is it? That's the Derby that that's I attended. Where you went. That is going to be at Espanol, which is currently on the bottom. They only have 10 points. They are most likely going to get relegated. They're a nightmare. Maybe they should get Poch then. They, well, I think that's why they get them out of the way, and then Barca can bring Pochettino in so we don't have to relive that whole, like, oh, I, I would rather manage a dairy farm than yeah. <laughs> manage Barca. It's crazy how that line no longer matters. Doesn't matter. But uh, that <laughs> came out this weekend. For years. And maybe in 2020, Jordan, we get to see the debut of some guy named Eden Hazard. I don't know whatever happened to that cat, but he's just been such a no-show for Real Madrid. Has he? Two points back on the table for Madrid, yeah. He's I really been a no-show. Followed. He's one goal, one assist so far. Hmm. Yeah. Been hurt. He's been dealing with some injuries now. He's only played, I think, 10 games or somewhere like that, 10 mm. matches, but we'll see. But uh, we'll be down to Serrano's, 12 noon, Espanol, FC Barcelona, if anybody wants to stop by. That's a pretty big derby day for us, so we'll see you down there with Peña Blagrana. Beautiful. All right, we got to thank our sponsor, Three Punk Ales. We also need to thank our sponsor, Sport Clips, for yeah. supporting the Unnamed Soccer Podcast. We Happy do New Year. It. No resolutions for you. As I said, I'm going to get somewhere else in Mexico for 2020. Mm. Um, okay, can I give you a non-soccer one? Yeah. I think me and my father-in-law are going to make a trip to the Ryder Cup. Nice. It's Whistling Straits. Whistling Straits. Golf. Wisconsin this year. It's in uh, September. I think it's the first weekend of September. That's my goal. I would love to go to like the Ryder Cup. I was inspired by watching the President's Cup in Australia. It's good. International competition's great. It's so I good. I love it. Yeah, in, felt- uh, in almost all sports, I love it. Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks to our sponsors. And... Uh, I guess up next we'll have maybe schedule news for SD Loyal, yeah, more yeah. roster news, obviously. We'll have podcasts next week. And so then, uh, we'll, uh, potentially new kits coming out soon. Uh, we got, again, it's a free fall to March 7th, so <laughs> things are going to be coming at you really, really quickly. And you can subscribe to this podcast in many different places, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, iHeartRadio. So please do that, and we thank you for your service.